And today I'll be talking about the menstrual movement and its intersection with feminism and a bunch of interesting topics. Welcome to Star Stri Stars, Stripes, and Stories. Um, it's good to have you here today on the show. Um, and obviously, lately, there's one huge topic that you're really passionate about and that you're putting in a lot of work lately. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us a little bit about what that topic is? Yeah, so, um, like I mentioned in the intro, um, I'm really passionate about the menstrual movement and I work at a nonprofit called Period. So, I work as the national campaign co director. Um, for a campaign that we're doing currently in this nonprofit, and um, I'm also um, the president of the OSU period chapter. And so, yeah, it's a lot of interesting. It's a lot stuff. of work. Yeah, it's Seems a lot like of work. A lot. How, how are you yeah. able to manage all that besides school? Um, it's an interesting balance because I'm a pre med student, and um, yeah, it takes a lot of time out of the week. But I'm really passionate about this issue. Um, our whole mission is fighting period poverty and stigma, right. which I know we'll get to in your podcast. But um, that's honestly the issue that drew me to this movement. So, And that is um, what I would like to touch on. Um, what is the specific issue that you want to address when you put in all the work, when you rally out there, when you talk to politicians? Mm -hmm. um, what's the one problem that you'd like to address? That's a good question. So... While the mission of my nonprofit is period poverty and stigma, um, I look at that as a stepping stone to a much larger issue, mm -hmm. which is um, gender, which is fighting for gender equality. Right. And it might not make sense yet how that overlaps, but um, we'll get into it more in this podcast. But yeah. um, just like the stigma is out there, a lot of people are not aware about this issue, resulting. Um, and people not feeling invited to be as part of the conversation. I know a lot of men in particular mm -hmm. feel like they're excluded from this, but I think something really important to emphasize about this movement and about um, and how it overlaps with feminism is that men should be a part of the conversation um, if this is about gender equality at the end of the day. Um, and we'll touch on that more, but right. and, it's an important issue. And it's and if I did my research and I did my homework right, yeah. it is basically, first of all, you're trying to raise awareness mm -hmm. of the fact that um, having uh, a period or just menstruation is not a, it's not a taboo topic anymore. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. So um, we actually use the word menstruators because mm -hmm. there are people who menstruate who are not women. Right. Um, and just to be more inclusive of everything. But you're right. Um, Women are unfairly taxed for periods in 35 states in the country um, in what is known as the tampon tax. Right. And um, this is literally a result of the stigma around menstruation. Something that simple translates into policies, right? So um, the tampon tax is a prime example of that, where um, when you speak to legislators, when I testified, for example, um, about the tampon tax issue, um, in the House of Representatives at, in Ohio, um, one of the main criticisms was that this is a women's issue, this does not affect everyone, mm -hmm. why should we care? And honestly, um, menstruation is widely looked upon as, um, and menstrual hygiene products are widely looked, looked at as luxury items rather right. than necessities. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of it is because of um, all this mystery around the women's body and um, how it works. So, um, so that's would you would you say like menstruation hygiene products? Yeah. Um, are simply for a certain class, and then there's actually people that have a huge need for it, but they don't really have an accent. Yeah, for sure. Access. access. Yeah, access to it. Yeah. <laughs> no, for sure. There's definitely people who are pinching pennies, literally trying to get by right. and um, afford access to products. Um, and there's so many instances where single mothers have to choose between food and access, at, like access to menstrual hygiene products, to address their you know natural need, right? So, um, menstruation is something that literally over like literally half of our population 
experiences for an average of 40 years of their lives. Yet, um, we see menstrual products taxed as if they're luxury items. In comparison to most men's exclusively used items like Viagra, Rogaine, mm -hmm. suspensories, penile pumpers, all these right. like random items yeah. that are... Um, that tax-free? That are tax-free. Wow. And that's why... Um, I started period at The Ohio State University with two of my non-menstruating friends, actually, who were both guys. Mm -hmm. um, and at first, um, their reactions were, why? Like, why? Right, right. <laughs> why should we be a part of this conversation? But um, after we, like, did some research on this issue of the tampon tax, this piece of legislation, mm -hmm. and... Um, I think they realized how important it is to have men as part of the conversation because mm -hmm. most of the time when we're speaking to legislators, when we're speaking to like higher ups um, in larger institutions, ex executives trying to convince them, you know, you should have free monster products available in Ohio Health Hospitals, or mm -hmm. um, which is a recent project we had and we succeeded in, which is so exciting. Um, a lot of times they're white, older men <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> who don't understand... Um, this issue very well and um, seeing young younger men who are getting involved mm -hmm. and standing up for um, this right as not just a women's issue but as a human rights issue um, it's really inspiring you're talking about the fact that not a lot of people yet understand the actual issue of the problem and for yeah. for people that are more privileged and right. um, just even average people mm -hmm. you know um, the middle class it sometimes didn't occurs to be as a huge problem, such mm -hmm. as, for example, getting food on the table, um, having a job, uh, being in the right community, having right. religious freedom, all that kind of stuff, which is um, mm -hmm. oftentimes addressed in the press or in the news yeah. and all that stuff. But um, still raising awareness of, of, of what you're doing is still missing out. So yeah. we were talking about that a little bit before the podcast. And, and I told you, so I really talk about the topic, my guests mm -hmm. with friends and family. And a lot of my male friends, especially, they ask me, why are you doing all of this? And why is Anusha putting in so much work mm -hmm. for... For this you know, movement, like for yeah. this movement, exactly, yeah. and and I and I and I really think, I mean, obviously, I think what you're doing is great. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, I I wouldn't be here. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Um, but but I think it's still not really addressed in society yet, right? Mm -hmm. So what you say, um, people need to be more aware, obviously, of the problem, and 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 how do you see yourself um, raising awareness? Yeah, and unfortunately, there's not a whole lot of research out there, but. Um, Menstruators do spend $11,000 in their lifetime on tampons alone, wow. which is a really shocking statistic that not very many people are aware of. That's a year's worth of school tuition. Yeah. Um, there, there, have been, um, there was a recent study that, um, that will be published soon that I'm working with on, and they looked at the relationship between period poverty, which is like lack of access to menstrual products, and school attendance, right? Mm -hmm. And you look at... Um, people who come from lower socioeconomic backgrounds, right. like you were talking about, they often have to miss school, um, like when they're on their periods, literally because they don't have access to period products. Um, in college, it happens all the time. Like you look at the percentage of college students that are food insecure, which means like they can't afford um, food. Well, I, I guarantee you that a portion of that who, are, who menstruate, they often have to choose between access to food mm -hmm. and menstrual hygiene products. Mm -hmm. And like, unlike an issue like food insecurity, which is very out there, um, very well researched, period poverty, and um, this issue is not treated the same, um, same right. way. Um, but um, it's really shocking to hear about some of those statistics and um, all this whole stigma and everything. What interests yeah. me the most probably is to look at the reasons why our society still doesn't like to talk about menstruation, mm -hmm. about um, period. It's still a taboo topic. Yeah. No one really likes to talk about it, maybe only with really close friends. Mm -hmm. And like what interested me the most is where does this behavior come from? Right. I think Factors. there's a lot of things. Um, the most, the earliest memory I have from my childhood when I learned that this, that menstruation is a taboo topic was mm -hmm. when I remember in fifth grade, I'm not sure if you had this in your school too, but the guys and girls were separated to, or the boys and girls were separated into two different classes, and 
Um, the boys learned about like hand hygiene and random topics, yeah. and the girls learned about menstruation. Right. And um, because that's usually around the time when um, or the girls start menstruating. So after fifth grade, middle school, around that age. So the teachers um, basically had a conversation with all the girls in my fifth grade class in a you know um, classroom and. While, like after the whole topic of discussion was over, they told us, don't discuss this with the boys. Um, and that wow. immediately ingrained yeah. in our minds that this is a topic that is to be ashamed of. And right. it's a secretive topic that you're not supposed to talk about with your peers. Mm -hmm. And I've always, ever since then, I've always questioned it. But I questioned if I was even allowed to question something like this. It was just ingrained in me by society. Right. I think a lot of it was cultural too. And um, and I, I lived in India for a period of time and we had a similar discussion like that mm -hmm. in my school there. And once again, the boys and girls were separated. And, um, it didn't seem like, it seemed like such a natural thing to be talking about, but right. yet it was so stigmatized. Right. Um, and I think from a young age, girls are taught to be ashamed of their bodies um, and through something as simple as this um, it like which is you know our educational system um, and going back to some of the cultural taboos that surround this topic um, when I did live in India um, and there are there were a lot of superstitions that I was aware of that affected my friends who would go to school with me um, whether that was taboos about menstruation um, which, you know, ranged from them not being allowed to um, go to the temple on their period because they were considered right. impure. Which so it's is, not all, it's, yeah. it's, it's more of a cultural problem, you would say, because yeah, that's incarnated within religion and within society. So it's, it overlaps actually in, in, in different aspects of culture. Yeah, there's so many, um, there's so much cultural overlap as well. Um, all the superstitions that are out there. Um, and it, it takes different forms in different countries. Um, what period poverty is like in India is different from what period poverty is like here versus period poverty in right, Germany right. versus period poverty, I don't know, in another country. And that, that, that could be a, a topic we could talk about for days, I guess. Yeah. I want to pick up one thing or one thought that I had lately, which is really interesting. Because um, when you look at our society today, for me, it's really weird that the way we deal with sexual content mm -hmm. is super open on the one hand. So if you look into media, if you look into social media, uh, movies, mm -hmm. books, um, nudity, um, sexual content is addressed so openly. Mm -hmm. um, and it's so, the access to it is so easy. It's never been that easy, but still we're at a point where we can't mm -hmm. talk about um, menstruation or periods. And, and I think mm -hmm. that's, really, um, that's really ambivalent in the terms of, hey, you can do whatever you want on the one hand, but it's still weird if you talk about that. For sure. Mm -hmm. um, actually, that brings me to a really interesting video um, campaign. So um, there is this period underwear company called Binks that we work with very closely. And they, really, they recently released um, this ad campaign, um, which was like, what would the world be like if everybody menstruated? Mm. Men, girls, everybody, mm. right? And it was a very interesting video. And they had a tampon string hanging out of somebody's underwear. It was a little boy. <laughs> and yeah. because of that, it was banned from like so many social media sites, all of this. Um, and that was very shocking to think about consider considering like how you said, there's a lot right. of nudity out there. And that's tolerated. It's everywhere. It's, it's tolerated every very ad. well. It's, it's, it's um, in every social media page. Right. But then on the other hand, you still have a problem with talking about that. Yeah. And then if you look actually at menstruation mm -hmm. hygiene advertisements, mm -hmm. I think it's ridiculous. And that's where mm -hmm. it starts. That when they demonstrate how the project oh, works, yeah. Yeah. they're using a blue color. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's where it all starts. So apparently, that mm -hmm. obviously the ad, like the companies, they are yeah. aware of that, what's going on, of, right. of, of, of all the shame and all the issues that is in, within society. And I think it starts with the little things like that. Yeah, for sure. Um, there was even a video, um, this image of Rupi Kaur. She's a very <sighs> famous poet. And um, she posted an image on Instagram several years ago. Um, it, it was her on her period, and it was actually taken down right. by Instagram. Wow. And they actually apologized to her later for doing that. Um, and it was literally just like her bleeding out of her pants. <laughs> yeah. But something so natural. Um, 
and there was this whole debate on Instagram about it, and that, and honestly, I think that started a whole conversation about it, right? Why is it okay to um, tolerate things like nudity and um, all of that on mm-hmm. social media, which is completely fine in comparison to something like periods? And right. um, whether it's a, this Thanks ad campaign, which was released literally last week, um, or Rupi Kaur's photo that was released so many years ago, or... I, know, I, I, I guess ago. it's 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 Amazing. a matter of social acceptance, and I think that that's that's probably yeah. the most important point. So for us, in our minds, um, naked bodies—that's all accepted. Mm-hmm. We all look at it. We all, you know, like we all kind of know what's going on. But then, um, menstruation movements is just not really accepted to, especially like see it and also yeah. to talk about which the uh, which is the consequence. I think sure. social media is again is a really hard thing in general to talk about because you guys mm-hmm. use it to right. raise awareness but then on the other hand how much hate do you get of social media yeah um you should have seen the comments <laughs> on our post when we announced national period day right um which we're going to talk about yeah soon. which <laughs> i'll talk about oh yes i will talk about that soon by won't the way won't forget that yes um october 19th um <laughs> is going to be the very first national period day um, I'm one of the national campaign co-directors, and we're super excited about this because there are going to be, you know, rallies in um, all 50 states are across the country. Awesome. I'll be getting this, getting to this in more detail, but mm-hmm. um, the point I was trying to make was um, as soon as we announced this campaign, right, that National Period Day is happening, um, we realized that um, when, we re- when we were reading the comment section, a lot of people were commenting, oh, wow, like, this is so unnecessary. Let's have National Diarrhea Day. <laughs> Let's yeah. have... Okay. Um, like a lot of interesting comments that were out there. Um, National Diarrhea Day was my personal favorite, but um, <laughs> um, there were a lot of um, interesting um, comments out there, which actually reflected the lack of education about this issue. Because right. National Period Day is so much more than periods. When I talk about yeah. the menstrual movement, periods are not the end goal. Mm-hmm. It's gender equality. Right. And um, and unfortunately. That lack of education is what we're trying to fight. Those are the exact people in that comment section that we're trying to prove wrong and that we're trying to show that, yeah, there are people who care about this, this issue about period poverty, but this, yeah, this shouldn't be a stigmatized issue and it's so much more And it's that. like yeah. controversially discussed and I, because I, it's really funny that you, mm-hmm. uh, that you talk about this because when I was doing my research, again, I was reading or scrolling through um, Instagram posts and mm-hmm. I was obviously going to the, to the comment section because I wanted yeah. to see how the reaction is of, mm-hmm. of the people that are looking at it. And again, it was really split. It was really separated. There were people that were saying, yeah, finally someone addresses it and finally we're having a voice mm-hmm. and someone speaks up for us. And then there were other people. There's people starving on this planet why would we talk about this and i think it's really right. unfair to put that into a perspective because you if you would just simply look at major problems mm-hmm. such as world hunger like how would you able like how would you able to be all the other sm- maybe smaller issues but still important to s- some people and i also think it's really unfair to simply look at a majority of people Mm -hmm. right and you make all of your actions just because um the greater good says Mm -hmm. yeah we should look at this but there's also minority groups that have needs that want to address certain problems and i think Mm -hmm. that's really important to maintain or keep up in a society and also in a political discourse yeah and as often as i saw comments like this is not a real issue um right calling us spoiled brats for standing up for something that's supposedly a luxury, right? Right. Um, And just because it's not talked about as openly as issues like food insecurity is, doesn't make it less relevant Mm. of an issue or less important. Um, And that's an extra obstacle, right, we face in our way because not only are we trying to solve an issue, we're trying to create awareness about it and solve it. You know, um, there's two extra steps. Um, But... That doesn't make it any less valid or important um, of an issue at all. Like you guys, that. you guys are doing really well at raising awareness. Where are you guys working on to make a change? What are the steps that you guys are taking right now to actually make a change? For sure. So um, my team and I are very focused on policy and changing policy. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of times students ask themselves, like, how do you 
really impact policy if you're not a legislator? Like, what, what can you really do? And that's how we really got ourselves involved in the world of advocacy and advocating for, you know, um, eliminating the, the tampon tax, which is which basically states that um, menstrual hygiene menstrual hygiene products are luxury items and um, and eliminating um, and fighting for access to free monster products in all schools, shelters, and prisons around the country. Um, so a lot of our, a lot of our work is around policy change in those mm-hmm. two aspects. So that means like lobbying, um, talking to our state reps, right. speaking at press conferences, organizing your own press conferences. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, that's all part of it. I guess. Yeah, and, and 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 you say you've been really successful with it, and there's two important we talked about that before the podcast again there's two really important dates that are coming up for mm-hmm. you guys and your guys movement yeah right? for sure um there's october 15th where we will be holding a press conference before the democratic presidential debates around the issue of period poverty and you might be asking yourselves what is the connection well um like we talked about before period poverty is not a very discussed topic and our goal is to nationally elevate this issue um because we feel that period poverty is a topic that has not been discussed by the presidential candidates, but should be. Yeah. So, um, and it's and so that's why we're assembling um, in the free speech area before the debates. Um, we actually have a lot of legislators speaking there about this issue, um, including Congresswoman Joyce Betty. Awesome. It's um, right where you want to be. Yeah. yeah, a lot of important people. So, um, and they're co-sponsoring, you know, like important piece of legislation, like the Menstrual Equity for All Act and. Um, the tampon tax bill actually for a few weeks, a few days ago, passed um, the House of Representatives. And so next week, we're hoping it passes the um, Senate and becomes legislation um, upon the governor signing it and That's everything. Awesome. So, um, yeah. And then obviously October 19th. And then October 19th is there too. So um, the goal of October 15th is to really build momentum and excitement for the big day, October 19th, which I mentioned earlier mm-hmm. on this podcast, which is National Period Day, the first ever. Um, and there are students and people mobilizing across the country, all 50 states, um, 55 rallies. And um, it's around these two calls to action that I mentioned earlier, eliminating the tampon tax in the remaining 35 states in the country. And also... Um, um, fighting for provisions for free menstrual products in schools, shelters, prisons right. across the country. So, um, and the whole idea behind this is to pressure our policymakers to make some change. Um, and it's really inspiring to see how young some of the students are who yeah. are mobilizing, like 13 years old, even um, middle school students. Um, and to see the diversity of people involved, right? There's like men, women, everybody. Um, there's obviously people who are questioning us. Um, and there's also, it's, it's definitely one of the, we're, we are facing pushback, but mm-hmm. um, I, good I, I guess like it's really good to see, you talked a little bit about how um, active younger people are in poli- mm-hmm. within politics right now. But mm-hmm. here's Star Stripe Stories. The goal is always, um, obviously, to give people of America in America a voice and kind of like realize how the American mm-hmm. society works but yeah. also to compare the topic that we're talking about with the situation that's going on in Germany. And we talked about this mm-hmm. a little bit before. I told you, and you probably heard of it, there's this really famous magazine called Vice. It's mm-hmm. really, it's really um, popular among millennials and Generation Zs. Mm-hmm. Um, and they actually published an article which is about mm-hmm. menstruation in Germany. And because yeah. there was a famous rapper, quite famous rapper, I think, 300,000 followers on Instagram. Yeah. He insulted girls and, and, and young women that are on a period, and, yeah. and which is obviously super rude and super harsh. Yeah. And then there was this huge outburst after that. So that was the first time I think the German society got in contact um, uh, or got aware of the problem. So it's going to mm-hmm. be really interesting to see um, what's going to happen within the next couple month, mm-hmm. I- months. Is this going to be a bigger thing or is it going to vanish after a couple of weeks? But... I'm gonna. I'd like to address uh, a text that you sent me because yes. um, we're talking obviously uh, over the phone a couple of weeks before this whole interview happened. Right. Um, and I was asking you if you would feel comfortable to talk about the feminism movement as well. Mm-hmm. And as you guys, and I think you said, and to quote you, I think, um, or you told me in the text that you think that you work with period. You see it as a stepping stone in the fight for gender equality. 
and that the feminism movement does overlap really deeply. Could mm-hmm. you elaborate a little bit on that? What yeah. do you mean by that? So, honestly, my work with period, I look at it as one of the most tangible steps we can take towards gender equality. And that's because we have very focused goals, right? Mm-hmm. Eliminate the tampon tax, that's symbolic of more than just menstruation. That's symbolic of right. a much larger issue in society, right? Um, the fact that legislators li- like, literally can't accept that this is something, that this is not just a women's issue, it's a human rights issue, right? Um, in Ohio, actually, we call the tampon tax the pink tax yeah. because it's so stigmatized that the legislators who co-sponsored it, they're like, we'd rather write the word pink because that doesn't have the taboos associated with it that tampons do. That's yeah. actually the... That's, that's the, the reason. So wow. they called it the pink tax in Ohio, and, and it worked. It worked. It passed the House of Representatives. So we played their game. <laughs> so it's actually more important to kind of like, uh, you know, like sell it. You yeah. Obviously, sometimes it's it could be a really challenging, like I can imagine this, it is really challenging for you guys to sell the problem that you guys are trying to solve. Yeah, so. the minute I, when I was testifying at the House of Representatives, the minute I mentioned the word menstruation, I literally received a few eye rolls from the people wow. and they're legislators. These are people mm. who are making law, right? Um, that can't even hear the word menstruation. How do you expect them to make policies affecting menstruators, right? These are the people who are signing off on the bills. So um, that was very shocking for me to see. But, um, and that, going back to your question, reminds me of why, um, why, it's, why this issue is, um, why it's so important to involve um, people who don't menstruate. You know, right. people, um, men in part, like men involved in this conversation, mm-hmm. having them involved. Um, my co-founders for Period at OSU, uh, like they're both male, right. and I was very adamant of st- about like starting it with men because a lot of times they don't feel invited right. to be part of the conversation. And and, and that is what um, I, I want to talk about that yeah. as well because as you guys said, men oftentimes feel excluded or yeah. suffer kind of like an anxiety might be or like a fear that right. they can't really say anything about the topic. Yeah. And um, there's been statements you're a man, you're not allowed to talk about the abortion topic, you're a man, you're not allowed to talk about the menstruation um, movement and, and yeah. be involved in that kind of stuff. And I, I really think that is not a the healthy approach to it because, mm-hmm. again, we're talking about social issues and why would... Why would you just simply exclude fifty percent of, right. or like, or like a large amount of of, of the citizens citizens or population? Why would you exclude them for from such a uh, exactly. important topic, right? Yeah, exactly. We're not going to get anywhere if we don't, right. you know, include everybody in part of, as part of the conversation. And honestly, having um, good male role models in this movement is super important because I noticed the minute that we had a few men involved more men felt like they were, it was okay for them to join, right? They didn't feel like, um, you know, weirdos for being part of this movement. They felt like um, this is so much more than, it's about doing something that's so much more than about yourself, right? Mm -hmm. Standing up for rights, even if they don't affect you, they affect you indirectly, It's also a really, like a democratic principle, right? It's not, it's not feminism, it's not the menstruation movement, it's also a pure form of democracy, I guess, and a pure form of freedom of speech and the pure form of values that are entitled within the American Constitution. So mm-hmm. um, that's why I think it's it's really good to include yes. men as well, because this is about the American principles or right. democratic Western values. Right, and standing up for something greater than yourself. Um, I love the story of this one guy who's on, who's on my team. He was actually raised by a single mother and he was raised in poverty. So she would never talk about how she faced um, this issue where um, she would have to choose between food and menstrual products. Right. And he was That's never great. aware about right. it. And it was one of those things where he wished that she talked to him about it. Um, and, um, and it was very interesting hearing that perspective of the story mm-hmm. where a lot of guys, they, on my team, they feel like they, 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 they're so glad to be part of this conversation and to be advocating for people who can't speak up for themselves, right? Um, a lot of times, um, people, a lot of times people in poverty and people who are facing these issues can't speak up for themselves, but right. that's what um, the power of advocacy is, right? Um, and the power of um, speaking up for them and everything. Right. So, so yeah. um we're gonna play a little game. Okay. It's gonna I'm be excited. a little bit of fun, <laughs> and it's the first time that we're trying this, so yes. uh, it could work, or right. it might be the last time that we're doing this. Okay. We don't have a name yet, mm-hmm. um, so maybe if you guys 
have a good name, just shoot me a text or yes. let me know in the comment section. Um, <laughs> and we can see. So right now, I'll just call it controversial statements. And basically, this is I'm going to hit you with a really controversial statement about mm -hmm. your um, your field of expertise. Yeah. And you're going to try to respond to it and uh, maybe disagree or even agree with. Okay. So the first one is, and this is obviously about the feminism movement, right. is by Jordan Peterson, is a quote okay. by jo Jordan Peterson. Yeah. Um, if you have men and women to make their own choices, you will not get an equal outcome. Oh, it's a good statement. First of all, would you agree or disagree with that? If you have men and women... To make their own choices, you will not get an equal outcome. So I understand this right. quote, basically. You have a perfectly fair society, yeah. and everybody can do whatever he or she wants to do, but there's still going to be different tendencies in terms of interests, activities, what jobs you're taking or all that stuff. Like, Okay. All right. The way I see this, um, let me see. The way I'm interpreting this question, I would say representation, if I'm interpreting this question right. Right. Um, representation, if representation is equal, um, I think they're saying is if representation is equal, you will not. That doesn't necessarily mean that you'll have equal outcomes. Right. Um. That's a good question. Oh, okay. That's a really good. That's a, a really, it's a really good, good statement. Because I because when when you actually look up a little yeah. bit, I mean, it's for me, it is always obvious that men and women mm -hmm. have different interests, and, yes. and and I think that is really naturally embodied uh, within the genders. I would say, it's hard to say agree or disagree, but I would favor, I lean towards more of the agreeing, agreeing with the statement because mm -hmm. I do think equal representation is a strong place to start. Um, um, I, my, my mind naturally goes to policy um, just because that's my field of like expertise and all right. of that. Um, when I look at the people I testified in front of in the House Ways and Means Committee, in the Ohio House of Representatives on this bill, right? Um, there were 17 men and three women. Um, and I, I'm sure this impacts policy, like the legislation they pass, the votes on those, those pieces of legislation. Mm -hmm. um, all three of the women afterwards uh, met me and talked about how deeply they cared about this issue, but only one man did. Um, and I think if you had more equal voices or more equal opportunity amongst men and women um, to elevate their voices equally, right. I think it would ensure more equal opportunities for everyone. Where are um, niches or fields uh, where you see women are underrepresented? Oh my gosh, that's a good question because I am a STEM major, I'm a neuroscience major, um, and actually shockingly there's a lot of women that go to med school but a lot of times in some of my hard science, like hardcore science classes, like physics and stuff, um, not very many women are present. Um, same with, um, let's see, a lot of technology classes. A lot, a lot of times in technology, mm -hmm. um, my dad. What about the that. technology? Yeah. That's that's just one thing I want to see. I heard that this can, and I, and I, I think that's really convincing. It's just yeah. a matter of fact that women are not really interested in technology. Hmm. Or do you think that could be the case? Or is it actually a thing that women have harder barriers to get into a field like technology? Because um, just in general, universities are female-dominated, for yes. example. Yeah. Or the whole medical field is female-dominated. Right. Why, for example, the, the economic field or the tech field, as you said, is more male-orientated. And right. that's where it gets back a little bit to what Jordan Peterson says. It is different genders have different interests mm -hmm. and they're just going to follow their interest and then there's going to oh, be a, a, okay. a, a not equal outcome in the end. Oh, I do think a portion of it is following, you know, your interests, but I don't think the lack of representation in the room, like it, when it's that dramatic, right. I don't attribute that solely to um, interests. So what are like issues that women, that women face when they want to get into tech? 
barriers? That's a good question because right. my dad works in tech and he tells me all the time. Okay. We, <laughs> I know you met him earlier. Yeah. Um, he tells me all the time, we need more women in tech. If you did tech, you would have so many scholarships available. Mm -hmm. um, you have no idea how we don't have any women on my team. Um, mm -hmm. And he's always talking about that. But if you look at the lifestyle, it's not that different. It's like, it's a pretty nine to five job. But isn't that a perfect example of why we're living in an equal society where men demand women to work in a field where mm -hmm. they're underrepresented. I think that's a really beautiful example of how far we came as, an, as, as a society, right? Yeah, we're encouraging diversity. Um, honestly, diverse voices do make a difference. Um, of course. And they love representation um, on their teams. They wanna, you want to have a team where you have not just peop people of one kind, but people from so many different backgrounds, because mm -hmm. you can really draw from them. Mm -hmm. So um, my team is a really good example. Like we have pre-med students, but we also have people from arts majors and right. like um, social work. And not no one major is better than the other. We have people from business. And um, and honestly, that makes it so much, like I think having a multifaceted team is super important. But um, yeah, you can always learn from someone else's strength. Right. To jump right to the next statement, okay. this is more controversial. Uh, right. It's going to blow your mind. Just to be, to clarify, okay. these are not my thoughts. You're this good. is just <laughs> things that I picked up while I was doing research okay. and just looking at the other side a little bit. All right, ready for this? The feminism right. movement is led by historic, mostly pre uh, hysteric, sorry. Yeah. The, the feminist movement is led by hysteric, mostly privileged young white women. I do see where this is coming from. Mm -hmm. I do see where this is coming from. Oh my gosh. I would say, unfortunately, true. I agree. Um, but I wouldn't say the feminism movement. I think a lot of, I think what people, I would say, actually, let me change my statement a little bit. I think a lot of people perceive it to be. Um, and there are a lot of examples I have where um, white women, they don't identify necessarily with all of the issues that they're sitting up for, um, but they're still advocating for it. Right. Um, but at the same time, I think um, the feminist movement, it transcends um, your, you know, your culture, your background, um, and we need to do a better job of including marginalized communities and mm -hmm. people... Um, People so are, are the, often face of the face of the feminist movement, is it an angry white woman? Oh, I think it's evolving. Okay. I would say it's evolving. Um, okay. Maybe maybe in the past it was, maybe, um, you know, 50 years ago, um, when we, you know, in the suffrage movement and everything, when we right. fought for that. Um, but today, I think it's very different. Mm -hmm. um, we see, like, very prominent figures. I love Michelle Obama, for example. Yeah. Proud black woman, right? Um we're seeing a lot more diversity, but uh, I would love to see more marginalized communities stand up for mm -hmm. um, as part of this movement, right? Um, from like other cultures, um, from people who maybe like queer, for example, <laughs> LGBTQ communities. I was gonna say like these yeah. kind of movements, um, they seem to be trendy right now. Yes. Um, a lot of people follow that. And my yeah. concerns is that there's gonna be people and you see it not only in, in the movements that you just mentioned, you also yeah. see it in the climate strike movement. Yeah. Where I feel like you have a lot of people and don't get me wrong here, mm -hmm. they jump on this train um, because it's trendy because it's mm. popping right now and they want to be part of it but they they don't really want to be part of it for its own sake they want to be part of because you can post a nice little instagram story or you can do that and that kind of mm -hmm. stuff so you actually create an image that doesn't really solve the actual problem do you see this tendency mm -hmm. a lot of times people can't relate with the people who are sitting up for the issue which is which is an issue but mm -hmm. um but honestly that under those means, we would question why why should men be involved if they can't relate to the issue of menstruation? Yeah. Honestly, I think they're doing this issue a favor. They're up, they're elevating this issue, right? Right. So, um, I honestly don't look at it as a bad thing that like white women are supporting this issue at all. Right. But of at the course, same time, no problem, that but, you but see what I'm saying, yeah. I do see um, how people interpret them as being the face of this issue mm. as a negative thing because that almost sidelines all of the other people who are affected by this issue, right? Um, the, 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 
people from like minority communities and all of that. Um, I think it's important to uplift them. And and I was gonna say yeah. like I think it is more beneficial for those movements to have a lot of supporters, mm-hmm. even though they might not be fully on board, but mm-hmm. they're still gonna hate ha- uh, like help the actual problem because that's in the end mm-hmm. that's what we're all trying to solve. We're all trying right. to make society more fair, and 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 sometimes maybe the way is not mm-hmm. a, as important as the outcome. I mean that's a whole new yeah. different topic. But let me just go on to the to the next to the next controversial statement. Mm-hmm. Um, it is more of a question for you. The way we look at gender is determined by society and by the people who are influential on today's to the today's society. You think that's right? Okay, I need let I need to let this sink in for a second. Sure. You want me to repeat it? Yes. All right. The way we look at gender is determined by society. And by the people who are influential in today's society. I agree with that. Yeah, that's actually a really good statement. Um, and it's a lot more complex than it seems. Right. I think um, it's really it's highly complex. Yeah, gender identity. What even is that, I mean, right? where does it... For me, the question... Or I, I read this question, where does it start? We talked about it. Does it start right. when the little kids play with a Barbie doll or uh, with a super um, hero action figure and that kind of stuff? Or yeah. is that, or are the people over-exaggerating and you can easily say, geez, let them play with mm-hmm. a, a, a Barbie doll. The the little girl's just naturally going to choose that. You know, like where does it start? Does it start within your teenager years where you have to be afraid of your of, of getting on your period or yeah. um, and all that stuff? So re- where is really the, where, where are the roots? I think, and I think this, that is super is important, interest- but really hard to answer. For sure, um, there's an interesting connection to make here. Um, for example, the guys on my team they often are questioned by their guy friends, "Why are you in- involved in this movement so deeply?" Right. Not just you know, on the e-board, <laughs> you know, um, my yeah. national campaign co-director. Why? <laughs> yeah. Why? Why? <laughs> And, and I think, in, to some extent, it is yeah. a valid question. Yeah. Like I don't think it's a it's a horrible question. Yeah. It's just like a lot of people are just naive and are not aware of what's going on. You know, like and that's the reason why that question. I was ta- right. talking or telling you that a lot of my male friends say, "Why are you doing this podcast today?" Mm-hmm. And because it's just a lag of understanding. And and yeah. I don't think it's a I don't think it's a harsh question. In first I think place. a lot of guys take this as. A, a not a non-masculine thing to stand up for right, this issue for right. example doesn't make you gay or doesn't make you um less of a man mm-hmm. to stand up for yeah. a quote-unquote women's issue right mm-hmm. um and and i think the the people who are on the team right who are involved in this movement they've learned that um standing up for something that's greater than yourself right like you don't necessarily experience menstruation but um caring enough about this issue or having people in your life that are affected by it standing up for them um um that's taught them to be much more selfless and um and i think it would be it it would be terrible if we would only address problems that affect us only us imagine you're in a situation like um like we fortunate enough we don't have to worry if we have food on our plate every day yeah so we don't need to address that right like mm-hmm. I- just imagine how terrible it would be if we just simply address only the things that affect us i okay. think that'd be horrible yeah and that'd be horrible. and unfortunately like a lot of times our people are seen under a certain lens or stereotyped because they stand up for a cause like this mm-hmm. right um it takes a lot of guts and bravery right. to stand up. A lot of people of don't realize like a simple Instagram post. You talk, post, you got so many hate comments. Yeah, and yes. imagine, I can imagine being guy like and posting about this. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of guys on my team who don't do it. And that's because they see somebody else um, who's a male role model that stands up. And um, they feel empowered to do the same. And they feel it's okay for them to stand up too. So um, not putting people into a certain box um, based on their gender is super, super important when it comes to issues like this because um, just because it's perceivedly a women's issue doesn't mean a man can't stand up for right. it, right? Um, and the way we're raised, the whole, you know, separating boys and girls into two different classrooms mm. to learn about boy problems versus girl problems, 
I always question, why can't we all learn about this together? Right. Um, when I was in high school, for example, in my biology class in India, they, like, the only the girls in the class learned about the um, women's reproductive system while the guys learned about the guys' reproductive system. And I thought, why, like, we're both going to be tested on this. Like, <laughs> why are we yeah. separated um, yeah, I feel. I on feel this? But um, it's, it's, it's one of those issues where... Um, it's, it's so important to not, you know, put causes into a box when something is a human rights issue by labeling it as a women's issue or a men's issue. It just diminishes, um, the importance of it. So, yeah. (laughs) One advice. All right. Let's, let's, let's picture ourselves in the, in the position that someone listening to the podcast, Mm -hmm. um, whoever it is wants to get involved wants to make a change, mm-hmm. like what you're doing, how can that person get involved? Okay, so to get involved, um, there are so many ways. If, if you want to get involved with peer nonprofit, you can start a chapter at your school, um, university, college, your community, wherever right. you are. And um, Always start in the community. That's yes. great, great. Yes, um, there's three main pillars, service, education, and advocacy. Um, I think this podcast is a great example of education, for example, like educating people and um, building awareness about this issue. Um, And it's very easy to start a chapter. Um, And honestly, write to your representatives, right? Like meet with them about this issue, advocate Mm -hmm. for it, Um, be an advocate for this issue. And um, it's important to remember that when you're advocating for this, you have to be, you have to be, you have to be brave and yeah, you have to be very firm and assertive about it. also, one yeah. thing I really like about the whole movement is that um, you can take those things, even mm-hmm. though in in the beginning, day one, everybody thinks you're crazy and everybody thinks this is a problem we shouldn't talk about. Yeah. And then in the end, it turns out to be an actual movement where there's mm-hmm. change. So that's why yeah. I really appreciate about the movement. Last question. We always do that at, um, here at Star Stripe Stories. Mm-hmm. It might be a little off topic, but we, or especially I have the belief that failure is not a bad bad thing necessarily and that it's oftentimes in society it's portrayed as wrong but failure I think from what I personally experienced could be something where it can take away a lot of stuff and learn actually so my question for you would be and obviously only if you feel comfortable sharing is um, what has been your biggest failure in life or hardship and how did you learn out of it and grew out of it Let's see. Okay. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know yet. <laughs> <laughs> Awkward pause. No, it's fine. It's fine. It's, it's not an easy question, right? It's definitely a good question. Um, can I talk about a perceived failure? Of course. So, this was this is the most immediate example that comes to mind, just because we've been talking about this issue and everything. Um, I remember the first time... Um, let's see, that we decided when me and two of my non-menstruating male friends decided to start um, period at OSU and advocate for the tampon tax legislation, right, um, that nobody cared about enough to, like, speak to the state representatives, all that. I remember us thinking to ourselves, we're not going to be able to, like, how are we going to be able to do anything for this issue? Like, we're just students. Right. Um, and... I remember feeling like um, such a failure in that moment just because we didn't know how we could, we didn't know the power of our voices at that point in time. And we were like, oh, we're just students, we're not legislators, we can't really do anything about this. And um, the first time we worked on this issue, um, it, um, we advocated for it, we held a press conference, we petitioned around campus yeah. and all of that. And um, it didn't even turn up in the House for a vote, um, the House of Representatives. The second time, um, we worked with the representatives to introduce it again. They introduced this piece of legislation as the pink tax um, in Ohio. And um, we, um, I testified in the House and everything, and it passed. And this time it passed the House of Representatives, but it didn't pass the Senate. Um, right. And I don't know. It, it just it was like halfway there, you know, to becoming legislation, right? right. All I had to do next was pass the Senate um, and get the governor's signatures, mm-hmm. um, Governor Devine, if you're listening, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we're really hoping. Um, I'll give him but, a call later. <laughs> but um, we were so, um, 
it was just so, we were so close to getting it passed. Right. Um, but we just felt so hopeless, you know, um, just because it was Republican majority. A lot of people, um, even though this is a bipartisan issue, it's very common sense. Right. Um, the fact that we felt so, you know, powerless. Um, we felt like failures, right? right? Even though we were so close. And even though we made a lot of noise about it, a lot of people were now aware about this issue. Mm -hmm. And if you look at it in the beginning, nobody even knew about what period poverty was until we stepped on campus and decided to take right. it. Right, it's life. actually a big thing. I think like yeah. you guys did a lot of stuff, and there's so many reasons why you can be so proud of yourself. Because right now, the people talking about it, it's 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 gonna be talked about in other countries. You know, mm -hmm. it's 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 an international problem that's going to be addressed and i think that's that's pretty awesome and again you're i was talking about that earlier you are the perfect example why people can take uh, grassroots movements um, starting from scratch and actually make a big deal of it yeah and then now this time um, actually a few days ago it passed the house again and next week we're going to hear if it passes the senate and um, if governor devine signs it which is perfect for it like timing is perfect for national mm -hmm. period day And I remember when we were um, talking about National Period Day, um, it was two or three months ago. Um, we were talking about it internally with our national team, right? Right. We had this huge idea, huge vision. We're like, two or three months from now, we're going to have rallies in all 50 states around the country. Our whole team looked at me, um, my co-director, and Nadia, who's yeah. the founder period. They looked at us as if we were crazy. They're like, right. it's not going to happen. Yeah. You'll be lucky to get 10 states. Yeah. You'll be lucky people don't care about this issue. Right. This is not climate change, but if you look at climate change, nobody cared about this issue until right. like two or three years same, ago. Same it has thing, to start yeah. somewhere, right? right. Um, and it has to start somewhere. And we honestly looked at all of that, everybody's doubt in us as motivation. That's what helped us fuel ourselves to you know, push for all 50 states, right? We weren't satisfied with 30 states or 45 states. Mm -hmm. We wanted to get rallies everywhere. Um, and I think that's sending such a huge message out there that people in every state across the U.S., including other countries like Nepal, Canada, right. a bunch of other countries reached out. They've heard about National Period Day. And now next year, we're thinking about making it global, right? Yeah. Um, and, but, but when we were starting it back then, we had no idea what we were doing. We were, we, and everybody at the table doubted us, mm -hmm. um, including our internal team. Right. Self-doubt probably as yeah, well. That's a, and that plays a big role. That made us feel like failures at that moment. But honestly, um, we were determined to prove people wrong. So if you look at failure as a way, as an opportunity to prove people wrong, um, that could really fuel, fuel you to do a lot more. Um, <laughs> that's, but, I think that's the perfect words to wrap it up. It was awesome having yeah. you on the show. Thank you. It was absolutely <laughs> worth the trip. <laughs> And um, yeah, thank you so much. I, I appreciate it. Um, honestly, this is such a cool podcast. Um, yeah, That's good to hear. Thanks. Thank you to everybody who's listening. <laughs> thanks, guys, for tuning in again. Um, you can find Star Stripe Stories on all the social media platform, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Just type in Star Stripe Stories to get updates about Anusha, about the upcoming podcast and all that stuff. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Make sure you subscribe the podcast and leave a rating because that always helps. I don't know mm -hmm. why. I have no <laughs> clue, but the people tell me you should say that in the end. <laughs> so I'm going to do it. All right. Sorry. Thanks, guys, for listening. Thank you so much. Have an awesome rest of your day. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.